of sermon. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through uh, large sections of the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. This is the story of the earliest Christians and how the movement of Christianity started and broke out all over the world after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to watch the disciples break free into their resurrection power and be inspired ourselves. What about us individually? How can we? What about us as a church? How can we follow the example of resurrection power? Now, as we do that, I want to also let you know that the following sermon series, and I plan ahead a little bit, I'm kind of like that, we're going to be in the book of Acts for two different sermon series. And so that'll be about a total of a 10-week period. A lot of great stories. You won't get bored, at least by the scripture, maybe by me, who knows. Uh, But because we're going to be spending so much time in this wonderful book of the Bible, I want to invite all of you as a church to join together in reading through the book of Acts over that period of time. You can take a look in your bulletin uh, on the back of your insert. There is the Breaking Free Reading Plan through Acts. Uh, Each week in the bulletin and in your uh, newsletter, hopefully we'll be able to do online real soon, uh, you'll find the week's readings. It takes uh, about a half a chapter a day, uh, six days and then off to rest and celebrate on Sunday uh, to read through the book of Acts. Now, I believe that when we read the Bible, period, whether we understand it or not, that the Holy Spirit has a word for you. I believe that when we read the word together, oh my goodness, what a powerful experience it is. We'll all be immersed in this great and powerful story. So I want to invite you, pick it up. It starts tomorrow. Uh, Read along with us. I'll be reading. I hope you'll be reading. And that way, as we explore this time of breaking free and as we prepare for the summer, we'll have uh, studied and read and spent time being shaped by this story together. So today, we're going to turn to the scriptures and we're going to watch the apostles early in the life of the church break free from a powerless authority to live for Christ. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 41. If you're awake, say, I'm awake. All right, because I'm going to do my best to preach now today. Uh, Some of that will depend on whether you're awake enough to hear it. So let's uh, turn to Acts chapter 5, verses 27. We'll be reading through verse 44. I invite you to hear the word. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. I'm going to take a a moment of privilege and time out because there's a lot of they's and them's there. Let's clear that up. When they, the temple police, brought them, the apostles, they had the apostles stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, the apostles, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And yet here... You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now when they, the council, heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. You know, typical church meeting, right? That's so strange. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, 
he stood up and he ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. And then he said to them, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Theudius rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 joined him, but he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the census and got people to follow him. He, he also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you might even be found fighting against God. They were convinced by him. And when they had called the apostles in, they had them flogged. That's quite a convincing. We won't kill you, but we'll still whip you. Uh, And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And as they left the council, they, the apostles, rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day in the temple... And at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, rules are rules, right? And despite how cheeky you might want to be, rules are meant to be followed, right? I know some of you are those folks that say, rules are meant to be broken. Try it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes my kiddos are like that. I just want them to learn. Rules are rules, and they're meant to be followed. They're there for a reason. The whole world would be better if we followed the rules. And I think that maybe somebody forgot to tell the apostles that that was the case. I'm telling you, the apostles do not know the meaning of the word rule or obey because they keep on getting in trouble. They keep on disobeying the people in charge. Now, something's gotten into these guys because not too long before this story, these very apostles were terrified. (laughs) The, the, The authorities, the religious authorities, just made them tremble in their sandals. And you remember when Jesus was arrested, You remember what most of the apostles did? They ran. Peter was outside the uh, place where Jesus was being tried, and somebody said, hey, aren't you with Jesus? He said, I don't even know him. (laughs) They were afraid. You remember uh, after Jesus was crucified, put in the tomb, most of the apostles, they locked themselves up in a hidden room somewhere because they didn't want to get arrested too. These folks were afraid of the authorities. And then came Easter. Man, something changed on Easter. Something changed for these guys on Easter. Jesus was raised from the dead. They all saw him. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower them, and he gave them a job. He said, you will be my witnesses. And since then, it's like a constant full moon. Everybody is just doing some crazy stuff. The apostles are getting in trouble. They're breaking all the rules. They're challenging the religious authorities, and they keep getting thrown in prison. Something's gone on here. The apostles, they go on out to the temple to teach and to heal and to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus. It's a decent thing to do. People come to the temple for worship. There's a crowd there. People tended to teach. 
out there. They go out to Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch, if you're not so fancy, and they teach. And people are flocking to their teaching, which sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? And people are even getting miraculously healed. One guy was just under Peter's shadow, miraculously healed. Sounds like a great thing to do. But it's a little bit dangerous when the religious authorities think that you are undermining their authority. Just a word to the wise, when you're undermining the authority of those in authority, you're about to get in trouble. And on top of that, the authorities are convinced that these apostles are trying to accuse them of the murder of Jesus. And time out real quick, because this kind of idea has gotten uh, all haywire in history, and we've seen some very horrific things done even in the past week in the name of this. There used to be this idea um, that all of the Jewish people were, were responsible for the death of Jesus. When, when the people, the apostles talk about, you are the ones, he's talking to the actual individuals, not a whole group of people. He's talking to the actual individuals who are responsible. So he's not casting judgment on an entire religion or culture, and we need to be careful of that. But at any rate, that's another free one. That's for you. Uh, the apostles, by the time they get to chapter 5, are in a lot of trouble. They've been in jail, and they've been in jail again and again. And at one time they were in jail, and an angel broke them free from jail and said, go preach some more. And they were like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'm in here for preaching, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do it again. So much so that they missed their court date. They had to go out and find them to drag the apostles in to meet with the Jerusalem High Council. You see, I figure, you'd figure maybe a night in jail would do the trick. Night in jail does the trick for a lot of people. Some of you are like, yeah, I know, I spent a night in jail, and I'm done doing what I did. But they keep on going. By this time in chapter 5, the apostles are dragged in front of the whole Jerusalem Council. And that name is in all caps. That is a proper noun. That is a big deal. These folks know their religion back and forth, and they are the ultimate authority, especially in their own minds. And they are about fed up with all of this rule-breaking. They say this. They say, we told you in no uncertain terms. I don't know why that phrase makes chills go down my spine, but it does. In no uncertain terms to stop it. But here you are, teaching in Jesus' name, and we told you and told you and told you not to do it. Have you all ever been to the principal's office? I mean, it's all right to admit it. I mean, there's something about going in front of the principal that's a big deal. Uh, when you get pulled over, I know none of you ever speed, but there's something about when the police officer is right there in front of you. Uh, it's like when, my, when my, um, I'd get home from school and, and I had a, like, maybe a note on my report card that said, uh, Jim talks too much during class. Hey now, hey now. And I'd, and I'd come home and my mom would see it and she'd say, just wait till your dad gets home. Anybody ever had that happen? I mean, that's the kind of, I mean, that's just a glimpse of the terror of this experience. They're standing in front of all of the Jerusalem council. They said, listen, we told you to stop it, and you're not going to stop it, and I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for the hammer to drop. Uh Uh-oh. It's so interesting. Peter and the apostles, they respond, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Man, I'll tell you what, if, if my brother had done that when report card time would come around, I said, oh man, I want to watch this. We must obey God rather than human authority. Wow. You see, the, the high council had put the apostles in a, in a decision place. And they flat out said, you are not the authority of God like you think we are, you are. We must obey God. The choice is, do I at this moment, 
when the heat is on, when the consequences are nigh, do I obey God's call to be a witness and face whatever comes? Or do I learn my lesson and take the easy way out? Who has authority? That's the turning point decision that the apostles have to make in this moment. Who has authority? And quite honestly, that's a decision that all of us make on a very regular basis. Who has authority? And especially as Christian people, does God have authority in our lives? And we have to make these choices. The easy answer is to say, well, the preacher asked me if God was in charge, and I said, yes, God was in charge. Of course, we're in church. There's no better answer. And of course, the easy answer, he's the king of kings. Yes, God is in charge as we sit comfortably in our padded pews in an air-conditioned sanctuary, but that's not where the answer matters. The real answer to the question of does God have authority in your life comes in the face of the consequence. The real answer comes in the face of the consequence. That whole thing reminds me of an old joke about a guy named Jack. So Jack, Jack was a, it's not my Jack, he's out there, he's, this is just a joke about a guy named Jack. Jack was doing a dangerous thing, he was out walking by himself at some, some park somewhere, and he just wanted to tiptoe along the edge of the cliff there, it was such a neat thing to do, great view. Well, Jack all by himself, lo and behold, Murphy's Law, he slipped and fell off the cliff. My goodness. And, and it was thousands of more feet down, the way the story goes. And uh, luckily, he grabbed a tree branch like they do on the cartoons right before he went down. He grabbed a tree branch. He's hanging out there. And thankfully, it's like a mighty oak or something because he's hanging on there. And whew, I'm safe. Then he looks down and he says, well, I can't let go because I'm going to die. And he looks up and he says, that's a long way straight up and I can't climb it. And so he hangs there for a minute and does the only thing he knows how to do, which is help. Help me hoping that somebody else is stupid enough to be walking around the edge of the cliff that might just so happen to have a rope or a crane or a grappling hook or a helicopter or something to come and get him down. Help! Help! He's hanging on. He's just about to give out. His shoulders hurt so bad. And finally, he hears a voice. Jack? Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I'm over here. I'm down here. Well, he's not waving both arms. He's hanging on with one. But I can, I'm down here. He said, oh, I know where you are, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, yes, but where are you? Are you close? Who are you? And the voice says, this is fun. The voice says, I'm the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and, and he says, God, oh, perfect. Because if you're in a mess like that, who better, right, to walk by? Uh, God, please help me. Please, please. I promise if you get me down from here, uh, I'll quit doing all this bad stuff uh, that I'm doing. I'll quit sinning. I'll fall. I'll do anything you ever want me to for the rest of my life. Just please get me down. And God says, hold on, Jack. Let's go a little easy on the promises. Let's just get you down from here. I got a plan. Listen carefully. And Jack says, anything. I'll do anything you ask, Lord. Just tell me what to do. And the Lord said, okay, let go of the branch. And Jack said, oh, hold on, what? Uh, Excuse me, what did you say? He said, I know, Jack, just trust me. Let go of the branch. There was a long pause. That was broken by Jack yelling, help, help. Is there anyone else up there? Anyone else? You see, Obeying God is a great idea until it gets hard. Obeying God is a great idea until it gets hard. But when it gets hard is when we really find the answer for our life. Who has authority in our life? You see, we have to face that decision in matters of our personal life because our own inner drives have a great deal of authority over our life. And let's be honest. Can we do it? 
let's be honest, sometimes all it takes is a simple lack of comfort to put God's authority on the back burner. Sometimes all it takes is a slight inconvenience to put God's authority on the back burner. Yeah, I'm going to pray, absolutely. But hold on, I've got to get home from work and ball game, and if there's time after the show, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to seek some uh, accountable Christian friendships that can help me grow my faith, but only, but only, 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 I don't want to get too personal. Oh, I would, yes, we'll make worship a priority when we don't have anything else going on. You see, it's hard sometimes because there's so much authority in our inner drives. I know this when, uh, if I ever just wake up and say, I'm going to go pray, and I say, I'll, I'll do that in the morning. But if I wake up and say, there's ice cream in the fridge, I got my robe on, I'm in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? There's so much authority that comes from our inner drives. And I wonder, how many moves of God have people passed up in the name of a moment of comfort or convenience? Because our inner drives have a lot of authority over our lives. And now these might seem like small things and small consequences, but listen, that's powerful stuff in a moment. It's powerful stuff in a moment. Comfort over discomfort, if you choose automatically, will likely choose comfort every time. I've seen even those small personal moments, let alone the larger ones, the big moral questions that we deal with. It's in moments like that where we have the opportunity to exercise choosing God's authority. Who has authority? over our lives. We face this in churches, too. Who has authority? <clears throat> and we know the answer. We know the answer. The Bible tells us the answer, but it's, it may sound strange, but churches can easily give authority to things other than God. And it, it happens so easily. Before you know it, you've turned around and said, oh, my, my. And usually it just takes a consequence or two. You know, when, we're, when a church is faced with change, the church can easily give authority to the way we've always done things in the name of remaining comfortable. When maybe other churches around seem to be uh, hopping and jamming and, and they have things going on differently, uh, the church can easily give authority to, wow, we have to do what everyone else is doing. When the church is faced with challenging ministry opportunities, a church can very easily take the authority from God and, and give it to, let's just do manageable, God's, uh, manageable good things. We don't need to do all that God-sized business. Let's just do a bunch of good things. When a church is faced with insecurity, a church can give authority to endless, unfocused activity. And that's not even really the dark stuff. A church is the easiest place to hide. The church is the easiest place to hide from God. And it's the, e- the last place people will look for people not using God's authority because we're supposed to. But I tell you, We face that choice regularly in churches as well. And I wonder, across the world, how many moves of God have churches missed because they were more comfortable with their own notion of religious authority than they were with God's authority? It's a choice we face all the time in our lives and together. Who has authority? And it's interesting because in the case of the apostles in front of the Jerusalem council, the easiest, most painless thing to do for the short-term moment is to give authority back to the religious high council, wouldn't it? They won't have to go back to prison. They won't have to face the difficulties. They won't have to face any of those things. But the long-term, those apostles stand up. Peter speaks on behalf, and he says, we must obey God rather than a human authority. And they didn't have to make that choice. They could have made a different choice. They could have decided the risk is too great. 
They could have decided it wasn't worth it. And do you know what might have happened? Here's what I think would have happened. Now, I wasn't around to write it, but if, it didn't, if, it, if they had chosen uh, not to obey God there, here's what I think might have happened. I think the Bible would have ended at Acts chapter 5. And the last few sentences of the Bible would say this. And the apostles thought to themselves, huh, they're right. I don't want to go back to jail. Let's stop preaching about Jesus' resurrection. And they went from there and lived a long life. And as they died, the church died with them. You see, as the act of courage that was hard for them in the short term, but beautiful for the sake of God for them later and in ages to come. It took a lot of courage to stand in front of this group of people, in front of these consequences, and say, I will obey God. But where does that courage come from? It comes, I think, from Easter. It comes from God in Easter. So let me break this down for you. Stick with me. The reason that they can have such courage is because this group of people that they're standing in front of, they had exercised all of the authority that they know how. This is the very group of people that orchestrated Jesus' death in the name of good religion. They leveraged their power over the crowds. They used all of their knowledge of Scripture. They cashed in favors with Rome. They gave it all they had to put Jesus in the grave. That was everything that they've got. The worst they could do was done. That's power. But guess what happens next? Your power is phony because you might be able to put him in the grave, but you can't keep him in the grave. And God showed in one act of many, 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 many that all of the authority that could rest, even in the greatest human authority, is but a sham compared to the authority of God. They were exposed. They were shown powerless. They were like that emperor who thought he got a nice new set of clothes and it turned out to be invisible. And he walked out in front of his crowd and said, look at me. And everybody said, whoa, you're naked. I could say naked in church. It's in the Bible if anybody was wondering. It's like, uh, y'all remember Robin Hood, Prince John took the throne for a little bit while King Richard was off fighting. And he was, oh, he was so mean. And he had all the power he wanted. He did whatever he wanted until guess who came back? King Richard came back. Oh, you ain't got nothing, son. You see, these religious authorities, they gave it all they had, but God is the one who has the last word always. So when the apostles face them, they've got the courage. I'm going to obey the one who actually has the power. I'm going to obey the one who actually has the authority. I'm going to obey the one who gives the last word. And you know what's interesting? Two things happened in this story that changed the tide. One, the Jerusalem council was going to kill these apostles because they were enraged and they thought twice. Huh. Wow, look at this courage. They thought twice. Gamaliel stands up and he says, listen, oh now, I don't know about this. Listen, guys, if this thing, if this movement is of God, you don't want to get in the way of that because that's bad news for you. If it's not of God, it will fail on its own. But if it is, you're going to be in the way. So let's just let these guys go. And so they thought twice about taking the lives of the apostles. It changed the course of things. It changed the course of things. The second thing that happened was so interesting is that the apostles did not escape their consequences, but they were able to find joy in their consequences. That council decided not to kill them, but they sure did flog them. They sure did whip and beat them. Well, talk about leniency, right? 39 lashes minus 1, or 40 lashes minus 1. I guess it's lenient. But you know what happens in the Bible? It says this in verse 41. It says, The apostles left the council rejoicing because they had been regarded as worthy to suffer disgrace for the sake of the name. Listen, I get a paper cut. I'm not rejoicing. 
I get stung by a bee and I'm crying like a baby. There ain't no happiness coming. I get, I get my toe stubbed and I'm like, not like, oh, thank you, I'm worthy to suffer. No, no, no. I'm mad and I'm hurt and I don't like it. But these guys, they get whipped within an inch of their life and they say, praise the Lord, I have so much joy because I am worthy to be uh, counted among Christ in his sufferings. You see, what should have been a horrible, horrible consequence, God even transformed into a moment of joy because they had courage to obey And that just goes to prove, in this case and in many, that the worst thing that could happen to us as we follow God will never be the last thing that can happen to us because no matter what the world will throw at you, no matter what authorities might try to rein you in, in terms of in your mind or socially or any other, they don't have the final word. And whatever they can throw at you in terms of comply with me or else or comply with your own broken inner drives or else, nothing will be as painful as it seems because the Lord brings joy to those who follow him. And what kind of freedom is that? The story changed because they had courage. So my friends, God has given you and me a charge. He's given us a task. All of us. Jesus says it in a couple ways. In Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Go, make disciples. In Acts chapter 1, he says, you will be my witnesses here and across the whole world. God's got plans for the world, and they include you and they include me. There are people in this world to go share the gospel with. There are people down the street to share the gospel with. There are hungry people to feed, naked people to clothe, wounded people to bring healing. There is a world to impact for the gospel, and God has chosen to give us responsibility. And the question is, does God's authority have enough weight in our life for us to go and do? Now, we will find obstacles along the path. They'll be big and they'll be small. Some of those obstacles will come from within us and some of, us, some of them from outside of us. But every obstacle we run across on the path of answering God's call is an opportunity to echo the words of the apostles. In this moment, I must obey God rather than any human authority. This is an opportunity for us to break free from a life bound by fear and convenience. This is an opportunity for us to break free from all of the authority that we give ourselves that leads us to nothing, all of the authority of our social circles, of convention, of the way things are supposed to be according to the world. This is our opportunity to break free from all of that and give ourselves fully to the one authority that has all life and a final word in all things, and that is to God. And what freedom is in that? Because when we choose God, God moves. When we choose God, things change. When we choose God, we have the gift of a joy that will fill all of our circumstances that cannot be taken away. And when we choose God over all other authorities in our lives, we carry on the great story of redemption in the whole world. When we choose God, things change. And remember when it gets difficult, even in the small ways or in the big ones, remember that you are following Jesus who rose from the dead. And if God will do that, then what in the world will stand against the people of God following after him? My friends, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. So let's name the false authority for what it is. Name that false inner drive to say you have no more power over me. Those commercials that tell you you need this or you're not worth it like your neighbors, tell them, you have no power over me. 
tell what everybody else tells you you should be doing and what you should look like and what you should be ashamed of and what you shouldn't. You say, you have no more power over me. Tell your fear, you have no more power over me. And give yourselves the opportunity to break free from all of that and live fully and joyfully obedient to a new authority, to God. God who changes things. God who has the last word. My friends, may it be so for us. I have a vision in my mind of a church filled with people who have broken free from all of those things that hold them back and say, I answer to God and God only, and he bid me come, and I said, I will go. What kind of difference would be made in this community, in your home, in your neighborhood, and across the world? The word amen means so be it. So amen, so be it. Pray with me. Father, I pray for all of us gathered here that you would open our eyes in this moment of vulnerability to identify what might be fighting for authority over our lives. And give us the courage to name it and to turn back to you. And to say, God, come what may, come hell or high water, I must obey you. For you are my joy, you are my life, you are the power of the world. And there is no greater happiness or fulfillment in the world than me following you. And so God, give me the courage to name these for what they are and to follow you and have the courage to face even obstacles, to carry forward your great work in this world and in my life. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My friends, I want to invite you on behalf of the Lord and on